Welcome to That's What She Said, a podcast of sermons at Galileo Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Galileo exists to seek and shelter spiritual refugees, who for us are people for whom the church has become boring, irrelevant, exclusive, or even painful, especially people who have been pushed out because of their gender or sexuality. If you yourself are a spiritual refugee, we're especially glad you're listening. So we're reading tonight from the Gospel of Luke, the fifth chapter, um, in our worship series called Deep Water, Contemplating Baptism. And I think it's interesting as we read through these stories in the Gospels um, and Jesus' encounters with people to look at whether Jesus um, asks someone to leave home or go home. Because it's going to be one of those two, especially in these early chapters, So at the top of chapter 5, which we read last week um, about the fishermen on the sea, Jesus encouraged Simon, now called Peter, and his fishing partners first to fish from the deep water and then to leave everything and follow him to fish for people from now on. And then in the stories in the middle of chapter 5, which we're not going to read this time because we've recently read those stories from other gospels for other worship series, There are a couple of healings right there in the middle of the chapter. It is the best day ever for a man with a chronic skin disease who just wants to go home and now finally can. And it is the best day ever for a man with a mobility impairment whose greatest impediment to going home, apparently, is his need for a do-over, the kind of mercy that Jesus can offer. And now here we are at the end of chapter 5, and there is another invitation to another potential disciple to leave everything, including home, and go with Jesus. This story is about Levi, who is probably called Matthew in other places in other Gospels. Luke 5, beginning in verse 27. After this, that is the two healings, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi gave a great banquet for Jesus in his house, and there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others sitting at the table with them. The Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, saying, Why, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Then they said to him, John's disciples, like the disciples of the Pharisees, frequently fast and pray, but your disciples eat and drink. Jesus said to them, you cannot make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them, can you? The days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and sews it on an old garment. Otherwise, the new will be torn, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. 
but new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, desires new wine, but says, the old is good. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When God gets everything God wants, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And God will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. God will swallow up death forever. So said the prophet Isaiah back in the day, while the world was falling apart all around him, while the foundation he and his kinfolk and his neighbors had built their lives on was being taken from them brick by brick, acre by acre. As the enemy advanced, as their peace of mind dissolved, as their national security and religious identity crumbled all at once, Someday, Isaiah said, not right this minute and not as soon as we want it, but someday God is going to get everything God wants. And when that happens, Isaiah said, and I'm thinking maybe the prophet was a little bit hungry, a little bit tired of subsisting on scraps of goat jerky and dried turnips and well water, you know, the way you do when you've spent all your resources to defend your side, but your side is losing anyway. When that happens, he said, you're going to see God standing at the stove, God with a spatula in each hand, God wearing an apron that says, kiss the chef, God cooking up a storm, pots and pans stacked in both sides of the sink, God calling the children of Israel to come set the table. And what a table. Because the Lord of hosts is making for all peoples, all peoples, a feast like we have not eaten in a long time. A feast with food so rich it'll set your back teeth on edge with glistening gravies for the meats and real butter for the vegetables and dark chocolate for the almost too ripe berries. And to wash it all down, glass after glass of wine from God's own cellar, the finest vintages from wineries around the world perfectly matched to each course, because even if it does not matter to you, it matters to the chef, and the chef is God. And God really can tell the difference between good wine and the best wine. And when God takes off God's apron and gets to the head of the table, when God clinks God's glass with a spoon to get everyone's attention, the musicians will take a pause and we will hush all our little kids and the whole world will wait with anticipation to see what God will say. But God won't speak. Instead, with a flourish, God will uncover, 
a mystery dish, and God will pick up the smelly little pellet from that plate. It might still be wriggling a little. Don't be alarmed. And God will eye it, and God will grin, and in a flash, God will pop it in God's mouth and swallow it down without even chewing. God will swallow up death forever, and that is when the party gets started for all of us. And it's coming, Isaiah said, while he picked goat gristle out of his teeth. It's coming. And when God gets everything God wants, oh, it's going to be a feast. Levi never meant to be a traitor to his race or his religion. He just meant to make a good living, you know, bring home a steady paycheck, be a good son to his widowed mother, be a good provider to his spouse and kids. Isn't that what his own father had taught him? Isn't that what the rabbis said, the Torah said, that he should work, that he should not neglect his responsibilities? And so when the Roman Revenue Service came through town recruiting for their training program, Levi signed up. And it turns out he was daggum good at numbers, an organized record keeper, a decent self-starter. It helped that he knew everyone in town and their holdings and their wages and their inheritances and their investments. And so he had been promoted swiftly up the ladder to the rank of tax collector, given a booth of his own on a busy road for imports and exports, all of which he would tax faithfully for the Romans with a little surcharge of his own, like a commission for good work. It was a good living. It should have been a good life. Except what Levi did not count on was how much he stood to lose for his collaboration with the emperor. His calculations had not included the vitriol of his former friends the snubbing of his spouse and kids at the market, the icy stares his family got when they dared to go to synagogue. Eventually, of course, they stopped daring to go to synagogue. They slept in on Saturdays instead. And eventually, to their surprise, they made new friends. Other Roman Revenue Service employees, similarly rejected, enjoying the camaraderie that comes from sharing a common enemy or enduring a common sorrow. Pretty soon, Levi and his family found that their social calendars were full, again, celebrating with their family of choice every time they got the chance. The day that Jesus and his entourage came to town, they stopped, like everybody had to, at Levi's tax booth. Nothing to declare, Jesus said with a grin, holding out his empty hands. And all the rest of them, too. No personal bags or purses, no goods for sale or trade. Well, you can't tax what isn't there. A percentage of nothing is nothing. So Levi shrugged and waved him through. Thanks, Jesus said. And then, out of nowhere, hey, why don't you come with us? At first, Levi thought he had misheard. I, sorry? 
Yeah, Jesus said, yeah, you'd be perfect. Come with us. Follow me. Levi noticed the stony silence of the man's friends. Clearly, they hoped he'd laugh it off and stay put. And yeah, that would be the same thing to do. He had money, Rome's money, lots of it, stashed in that booth. And hours to go before his replacement would come for the next shift. He couldn't just leave. Could he? Come on, come on, come on, come on. You can do it. Jesus teased him. Just straighten your legs. Get your ass out of that chair. Come out from behind that desk and walk this way. And he began to shimmy down the road as if to music no one else could hear. When Levi caught up with him, his own hands now as empty as everybody else's in that little crowd, he breathlessly asked the next question anybody would ask of someone who had just said, follow me, which is, so where are we going? You know, it turned out that Jesus didn't have much of a destination in mind that day, like most days. No address in his GPS, no appointments in his planner. Where do you think we should go? Jesus asked his newest disciple. We could use some lunch, to be honest. Levi did some quick calculations in his head. He mentally ran over the inventory in their pantry. Then he turned to count Jesus' groupies. Okay, okay, I've got an idea, he said. Why don't y'all just come to my house? And uh, would it be okay if I invite some of my friends? It was a small town, so it didn't take very long for the very religious persons, the VRPs, to hear the scuttlebutt. Levi's throwing a party, the tattletales tattled, and you should see who he's invited. Oh, that's old news, the head Pharisee said, waving away the gossip like a buzzing fly. Levi and his like can have each other for all we care. Oh, but you're going to want to see his guest of honor, they insisted. You know, he was just a rumor at first, but now he's in the flesh, and he's carousing with those sinners like it's his birthday. Come and see. Okay, they'd been expecting a visit from the Nazarene carpenter and his disciples. He was making the rounds of all the little towns around Galilee. It was only a matter of time. But they had not expected the scene they found at Levi's house. So many guests that they spilled out the front door and into the street. Stems and seeds, chicken wings and beef ribs with a marrow sucked out of the bones, littering the lawn. Loud music inside, the thumping of dancing feet shaking the rafters, empty wineskins, full glasses, some guests already enjoying the full belly, full buzz post-lunch nap. Their heads on their neighbor's laps, their arms draped around each other. So if they had wanted proof, <laughs> one way or the other about the legitimacy of the claims made about this man from Nazareth. Well, now they had it. No Messiah sent by their God would tolerate a bacchanal like this. No righteous man, no rigorously religious believer would share so much as a regular meal with Levi and his like. 
much less a party for no reason like this one. It was a disgrace. But at least now they had the answer to their question. God's Messiah was nowhere near here. <laughs> They'd just keep waiting, as they had done for centuries. In the meantime, though, they, they might be able to rescue a few of his deluded believers by pointing out what should be obvious. Brethren, they said, for they were well-trained to never notice the women among them. Don't you think a real Messiah would be a bit more uh, discerning about the company he keeps? That's when Jesus appeared out of nowhere at the open front door of the house. Oh, hey, guys, he said. I, I thought you'd show up if we made enough noise. Yeah, no, no, we're fine. These are the people we're here for, gesturing widely at the sleepy, happy jumble of bodies. Now, the ones you don't like. Now, the ones you have labeled and shelved. The ones who were brave enough to exit your house of authority and find new life, new friends outside your walls. Yeah, these are totally my people. And, and guys, he, he leaned in to whisper, and the smell of wine on his breath was strong enough to knock them back a bit. Guys, the, the truth is, they throw much better parties than you do. Jesus turned back toward the house where Levi and all his indoor guests were hanging out the windows to watch the show, and he raised his glass for yet another toast to Levi! to the sinners, to the sick, to everybody who's ever been told they're not welcome at God's table. And a great cheer arose, awaking the sleeping ones for another round. Listen, 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 Jesus said, turning back to the VRPs. Listen, the thing you got to understand is, I mean, the thing I need you to understand is it, it's like, it's like no one... No one tears a, a piece from a new garment and then sews it on an old garment. I mean, otherwise the new part would be torn, and the piece from the new will never match the old. See, and, and no, one, no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise the new wine will burst the skins, and all the wine will be spilled, and the skins destroyed. New wine has to be put in, in fresh wineskins, and, 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 and no one, after drinking old wine, desires new wine and says, well, the old is fine. Just me? It, it just has a little bit of that drunk history feeling, only this is drunk theology. I'm not saying, I mean, please, please don't hear me say that drunkenness is anybody's ideal of how to spend one's allotments of days and nights on this earth. But, but at a really good party with new and old friends where you're celebrating the best thing that's ever happened to you, celebrating the brand new idea that God might actually choose you, that you might not have lost everything you ever cared about. You might actually have gained everything you ever should have cared about upon learning that the whole world is new today because God has 
interrupted history with news of light and love and liberation because God has come to your house and your friends to every soul-sick survivor who's just trying to get through life without being torn apart by the past or crushed by the empire or ripped to shreds by the VRPs. God love them. On that day, on the day God came to your house, the party you would throw would be a riot, loud and messy with lots of dancing and lots of laughing and lots of enjoyment of every good thing this world has to share. And maybe, just maybe, your guest of honor would uh, be caught up in the spirit of things. I'm just saying. And no doubt, some people from your before, some people whose opinion you used to value so very much, would not like it. Suspicious of your joy, skeptical that pleasure can ever be a good thing certain that sobriety and propriety and restraint and restriction are the marks of the truly faithful, somehow sure that God's heart has no room for a rockin' good time, they would not like it. And they would trot out the tools of their trade. Shame and more shame to try to get you back. John's disciples, our disciples, fast and pray. They do really religious stuff. Your disciples are too busy enjoying this life, too busy loving this world. These people, this food, this wine, this cannot be what God wants. But see, Jesus isn't even talking with them anymore. He's just done that thing again, you know, where he passes through the crowd without being seen. He's back in Levi's house already, rejoining the folks at that well-spread table, picking through the pits to see if he can score another juicy olive, laughing uproariously at a filthy joke someone's just told. Right at home. Right where he's meant to be. At the table with his friends. What if the baptized life is just like that? Thanks for listening to That's What She Said. This podcast is preached almost always by our lead evangelist, Reverend Dr. Katie Hayes. Galileo Church has five missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people and those who love them. We do kindness to those in mental and emotional distress and celebrate neurodiversity. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful. We do real relationship, no bullshit, ever. And we do whatever it takes to share this good news with the world God still loves. To support the production of this podcast and the ongoing missional priorities of this church, go to GalileoChurch.org and click on Conspire With Us. You'll have options to use your Venmo or PayPal or use your credit card or bank account. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you thanks. Peace.